Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Good morning, BAM fam. How we doing, Banner fam? Everybody good? This thing's moving on me. Yeah, it's all good. How we doing? You guys are looking good this morning. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm feeling a little weepy. I'm not going to apologize again after that one time. I don't apologize for it. Because when I get into the presence of God, which over many, many years now has been my joy and privilege to have pursued the presence of God over anything else, you, you recognize it when it's there. I've been in many services before where he wasn't there. And I knew it. But around me, everybody thought, man, God's showing up. He's here. But it, he wasn't there. He's here right now in this place. And we need to make sure that we steward this the best we can. Because you help me, help me understand that we can't make something happen. Like, I can't make you repent. I can't make you get excited about Jesus. I cannot make you get stoked about reading your word. I can't make you walk in repentance. I can't make you be weepy. Like, I might be weepy. I'm a dad. I'm a grandpa, so I'm allowed to be weepy, right? But if you're not a dad, you're not a grandpa, it's okay, men, women, to be weepy in the presence of God. Because it's a place, it's just this place of abandonment. We're like, I, I just, I mean, honestly, if I, if I just tell you the truth, I wish I wasn't speaking this morning because I, I just wanted to stay in that place. But I, I get to. We have a dear friend who, who says this. Often we've heard it over the years, and we've kind of adopted the phrase, but, you know, we always pray for revival. Revival. Bring revival. And I'm an advocate. I'm a proponent. I want to see God move mightily. I want to see him mess us up. I want to see him mess you up. I want to see him mess you up so bad that all you ever desire and your real heart's desire is to serve Jesus, to put him first in your family, to put him first in your life. I, I long for that. But maybe, maybe we're coming to a place where we have to stop praying for revival and just start being revival. Start living what we've been praying for. That's awesome when we pray for the sick and, and they recover. Yeah, well, you want that, but have you prayed for anybody? Have you prayed for the sick? Well, why I pray for the sick, they don't want to recover. Well, then try it again. If it takes you 100 times before you see your first healing, I say it's well worth it. Because once you, once you push against that long enough and that thing moves, all of a sudden now it's opened up a, a whole realm of potential that now you've got the faith for. You have the faith to step into places you hadn't had because the first time you prayed for someone to get healed, that didn't happen. So all of a sudden, you know, well, maybe I don't have the touch, right? You know, your hand's not shaking just right or you don't, you're, not praying, you know, you're not praying right. Nonsense. Jesus said, you know, have the faith of a child. Children don't know how to pray. They just go, Jesus, heal. And then people are healed. Maybe it's time for you just to go, Jesus, heal, and people get healed. So it's probably good that we jump into the message now because those are just some, some thoughts before we get started. Uh, 2018 or so, I had the privilege of being invited to go to um, another country in the world called Africa. And uh, it was uh, a place called Zambia, Zambia, Africa. And um, 
It was a great trip. Looking back, I have such fond memories of that time. But one of the things we got to do was we went on a, we planned on doing a safari. Anybody been on a safari before? Anybody here? Been on a safari? Like, it's, it's really like it was a bucket list thing, right? And so our, our leader organized this safari. It was in the southern part, actually the, maybe in the middle part of Zambia, and called the Kafui, great name, Kafui uh, Preserve. And so we spent hours to, to drive to this reserve. By the time we got there, uh, it was dark. The rains were just starting to, to leave the area. So we're actually coming out of winter into the summer months. So the grass was very tall. We couldn't find the entrance to this, uh, this, this, this safari we're going to go to, right? And so here was the challenge. Like, we never been there before. We're in the middle of the, of the, of the Kafui National Preserve. We're like in the jungle and we're looking for this little turnout in the middle of nowhere to take us God knows where to see animals. It didn't make sense. I'm starting, I'm starting to like almost freak out. But like, I'm not sure this is really wise. So, so we are really late to our destination. We're, and listen, we're in the middle of nowhere and we're using GPS to get to where we're going. How I many know that's kind of wacko? Like, in any moment, that thing can go dead on you, and you're like, okay, we're in the middle of nowhere. There's lions. There's tigers. Oh, my. We need to be careful. So it's pitch dark. We set on this trail. It's a little, it's like, it's not really a trail. And we're in vehicles that were not designed to go off-roading like we have here in Arizona. They were like an old BMW. Everything's right-side driver, BMW. You know, maybe four-wheel, not drive, but four-wheel, what do you call it? Yeah, all-wheel drive, Maybe. And we have two vehicles. We're going back into the, this. No, it's supposed to take like 45 minutes to get there. It took us three hours to get there. And we did not know where we were going. That was the freaky part. We finally arrived. And, and actually, out in the distance, we saw this very, very dimly lit. Uh, we thought it was a building. It wasn't. It was a tent where we'd have all of our meals. We finally arrived three hours late, midnight. And they were as gracious as could be. They fixed us a meal on the spot beautiful tent, but all around me is what? Pitch darkness. I mean, it's just black as it can get outside. You couldn't see, you know, hardly anything in front of you except the light from the vehicles and this little tiny light that was illuminating this tent. So we finally made it to our, our, our camping spots. They were, it was really glamping. It really was very nice. Fell asleep about two in the morning, woke up really early, Sun was just coming up, and I and opened up the zipper to our, I guess it'll be this way, opened up the zipper to step out of our tent, and let me tell you what I saw. What I saw was not what I saw the night before. I awakened to this vast, beautiful country in this place called the Kafui National Preserve, and off 50 yards in the distance was the Kafui River that was just massive and beautiful. And I heard, I woke up to a weird sound. I had no idea what the sound was, but it got me thinking, what in the world are we, we doing here? I walk out, I ask the guy, what's the sound? He goes, oh, like no big deal. Oh, that's the hippos grazing. I said, did you say hippopotamus? He said, hippopotamus, yes. Hippos are like 50 yards from our camp. And, and, and the savanna grass is very tall, and it's it just this beautiful, beautiful landscape. I didn't see it the night before coming in. Why? Because it was dark. And as we arrived and we begin to have breakfast and begin to talk about what was around us, the, the guides begin to tell us this. They said, 
right around you right now, there is a pride of lions that hang out in the area within a short distance of our camp. You've got the hippos that love to come out of the river into the grass and graze. You have all these things that were hidden in the dark that I did not even know and did not see because we were trying to get to our destination. It was pitch black. But once the sun rose and the light began to dawn on that camp and on that surrounding area, I began to realize that things that were hidden in the dark are now been exposed. Now I know there's hippos. Now I know there's a pride of lions. Now I know there's a cheetah that was stalking the area. We come to find out later. said, don't walk by yourself alone to your tent. Okay. Like I was going to anyway. And so we had all these things lurking in the dark. But when the light came, it exposed things that we didn't know prior. Now here's what we want to do. This morning we're talking about, we're in a series, a wonderful series. Last week, Pastor Josh did a great job talking about the bread of life, the seven I am's of Jesus Christ. And this morning we're talking about I am the light of the world. Say it with me. I am, I am the, light the light of the world. Not you. Jesus is the light of the world. John chapter 8 is where we find this text. Verse 12. Once more Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I love that. And in chapter 9, just another couple of pages Beyond that verse, uh, let's see, where is it? Here we go. Verse 5. As long as I am in the world, it's Jesus speaking, I am the light of the world. I love this. I love this. Night hides, light reveals. Night hides, light reveals. Have you ever noticed that most sin, most really creepy things, most really evil things happen in the dark, the night, right? I mean, if you're out at 2 in the morning cruising around the city, you have no reason to be out at 2 o'clock in the morning driving through the city unless you are working somewhere, right? Things happen in the dark in the night for a reason. Satan understands this. He understands that if he can get people to do deeds, dark deeds, they're not going to be done in the light because then people would see what they're doing. Duh. You see... When I first stepped out of that tent of refuge into the light that illuminated the reality of my world, I was now experiencing something I hadn't seen prior. The beauty of that Kafui, that Kafui game preserve in the country of Zambia, Africa, will never, ever go away from my brain. Why? Because I now understand something I didn't know prior. I may have known it here in my brain, but not in my heart. And that's when Jesus is at the center of everything that you do. He will illuminate things in your, light, in your life that were in the darkness before, but now come to light because Jesus exposes those dark things and says to us, they do not belong in your life. They, re they need to remain in the dark. I am bringing light. Repent of those things. Leave them behind and move forward. At the end of the day, as we look at chapter 8 of John, let me give you some background on this. This is really a cool, cool thing. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, this I am statement was made while Jesus and a bunch of people were hanging out, a bunch of Jewish people were hanging out and gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, I'm going to give you some background because it's important to understand how we launch into this. It was one of the three major feasts of each year. And one of the main ceremonies during the Feast of Tabernacles was the illumination of the temple. Now, here's what the illumination of the temple was. At the end of the first day of the feast, the temple was gloriously, beautifully illuminated. 
according to the Mishnah, which is the part of oral tradition of the rabbis, gigantic candelabras stood within the court, what they call the court of the women. So we're talking about these candelabras, not little cute ones that we might have in our houses. We're talking these candelabras were 75 feet tall. Each candelabra, check that out. Each candelabra had four branches. At the top of each branch, there was a large bowl, a golden bowl. And then, the, let me keep going. So four young men bearing 10-gallon pitchers of oil would climb these ladders 75 feet up to fill these four golden bowls on each candelabra. And then the oil in those bowls was ignited. And the, the way they were ignited, the wick was from the old priest's garments, garments that had been dirtied, garments that had already been used. They took those garments, ripped them up, and they used those as the wick. Those were inside the bowls, and that's what ignited the oil. Now picture with me for a moment, 16 of these amazing blazes just kind of leaping up towards the sky from those golden lamps. Now remember, the temple of the Lord was set on a hill above the rest of the city of Jerusalem. So the glorious glow was a sight for all to see. It lit up everything when it was, when it was going. The light was to remind the people of how God's Shekinah glory, the power and the manifest glory of God had descended once before and filled his temple. Now listen to this. This whole idea of the Shekinah glory, the manifest presence of God in the wilderness when the children of Israel going through the desert, we're going to come back to that in a few moments because there's great parallels with what God's trying to teach us here in John chapter 8 about being the light of the world. Now, here's what took place. You can, you can get the backdrop. You can see the lights, the, the flames. You can see this whole thing being lit up. Very cool situation. Very cool. But here's what he says. The next morning, oh, let me say it this way. And he used that celebration, the illumination of the temple, to announce this fact. He said, but the next morning when the man-made fire began to flicker and die, Last day of the feast, Jesus stood out and cried, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Another way of saying it could be this. These man-made fires, these things that you're doing to try and keep things alive, these to illuminate, they will flicker out and die. But the light I speak of will never flicker, never fade, or fizzle out. Jesus declared it this way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. With the light of Jesus inside of us, we will walk in the way of God. His truth shall endure, and our life shall be ours, but will be lived for the one and no one else. There's the cool thing about Jesus being the center of our lives. Too often we try to, to do things that, that keep our, our flame, you know, going, like, it's, it's there, but it's not, it's not full-on, like, blazing. It's not full-on fire. But sometimes we use the wrong things to fan the flame. Jesus said, when you keep me center of everything that you do, I will never, I will never flicker, I will never fade, and I will never fizzle out. I am light for all eternity. Trust me. Follow me. My truth will endure for a lifetime. Now, it may as though seem like a crazy statement that he made in that, in that courtyard, but without light or sun, there is no existence. 
Jesus understood that. We understand that. Without the Son, Jesus, there is no true eternal life. I believe Jesus has always been the light from actually the beginning of time. The light was the first thing called forth in the creation account, telling us that everything else that was created depended upon the light. Equally, our lives apart from God are dark, form, void, empty, and nothing but chaos and confusion without him. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And I love what I read recently by a Messianic believer who said these words. He said, when you read Genesis, it says that on the first day, God said, let there be light. That light was and is Yeshua, Jesus. And we know this because it was not until the fourth day that God created the heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, now check this out. So Yeshua, Jesus, was called forth from eternity by his Father at the inception of time. So there could be the possibility that before the fall, the, 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 let me say it this way, there's a possibility that before the fall, the garden's atmosphere was illuminated by the presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Same possibility. Could it be that it was he who walked with him, Jesus, and talked with him in the garden? I don't know. If he's light, it's possible. And when they disqualified themselves from their right to remain there, they lost the source of life and light that fueled their, exist, their eternal existence. When Jesus proclaimed in the court of women that he was the light of the world, he was calling us out of darkness into his glorious light. He said, when, you, when I'm the center of your life and you walk with me, like even Adam and Eve walking in the garden, as long as they, they, they chose to violate a command. Once that happened, no longer was the light necessarily illuminating the garden of the person of Jesus, but now they're walking in darkness, true of us. And it said this, the true light, I mean, uh, when Jesus proclaimed in the court of women that he was the light, as I mentioned, he was calling us out of darkness into his glorious light. He was saying to us that sin disqualified them from their right to remain in right standing with God, but with Christ, the true light, living at the center of our lives, we can remain in his presence and reflect his glory for all to see. Scripture says in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, let, let, let's pause for just a moment, okay? Let me just take you somewhere. I'm going to ask you this question. And I don't know if we'll get beyond this or not this morning. Let's just see where we go. You know on these, on these, these police shows where they have like a little uh, a bar, light bar. It's like a blue light, black light. And they scan for DNA. They scan for fingerprints. They scan to see if they can find something on a, on a body or whatever that won't necessarily come out unless they use this black light, this special light that illuminates certain things. If we were to take one of those this morning and we were begin to just do a search of our own hearts, 
and say, God, reveal to me, illuminate to me what areas of, of my life are still dark. What things are hidden in my life that no one knows about? What, what, what things we call sin am I messing with that on the outside it looks like I'm perfect, nothing's wrong, but I know for a fact I've got an addiction or I've got an issue or I've got something that, that, I, that no one knows about. It's darkness. If you allow that thing just to begin to check your heart and the darkness and the areas of our lives, what proof could be found that we're guilty of having dark places that don't belong? The Bible calls these areas transgressions against Jesus. Areas that are dark, unconfessed, and at times sometimes be detrimental to our lives. The light of Jesus is what exposes those areas. And if we're honest and willing to repent, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter how many times you come to church, you can still be bringing your stuff in and still be walking in, 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 this, in sin and darkness. And on the outside, shabba ding dong, everything is good. Right? You can even come to an altar but still not know Jesus. Let's not be naive this morning because we feel a little, you know, prickly in our back. Like, oh, that feels so good. It doesn't have to feel good for, for it to be righteous. I like when it feels good, but it doesn't always feel good. Because when God begins to convict, he begins to speak to us. He begins to show us areas of our lives that his light's revealed. Then let's, guess what? We need to pay attention. Because the Bible does teach us that sin will keep us from heaven. Right? got really quiet on me let me let me let me give some context brandon why don't you why don't you come real quick brandon what is happening right now in in wilmore kentucky on the campus of asbury university is a revival of repentance allowing the light of jesus to expose and convict of areas of sin in their lives and then repenting of those areas I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop and say this. Over many, many years, we've experienced many moves of God in the Southern California area of California, Southern California area, SoCal. We've seen it, man. We've seen, we've seen Holy Spirit come. We've had, we've had meetings that went four or five hours. We've seen signs and wonders. We thought, could this be it? Is this the next whatever? Is this the new Toronto? Is this going to be the next wave of the Spirit? Are we going to be the center of it? And, and, and it would come, and then it would go. We'd come, and it would go. And you know what? I never once saw a revival of repentance. I never once saw that the light of Jesus was so bright that people were drawn to the light, and they were willing to confess their sins one to another. You know why? Because we're control freaks. We don't want anyone to know our junk. But it was truly Jesus. I watched those videos on Facebook and different, different modes of, of social media. I watch what's going on. I think to myself, they're not being, they're not being manipulated. These teenagers, these young adults are simply saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me for believing the wrong things. Forgive me for buying into culture's junk. Forgive me for spending all my time and money and resource on things that will not sustain my life. Forgive me for having premarital sex. Forgive me for the abortion I had. Forgive me for involving myself in homosexual activity. Forgive me for being a transgender. Forgive me for being the things the Bible would teach us is sin and dark. Those are the things I didn't see coming in to that Kafui game preserve 
all the, the dangers that were around me. I didn't see them until the light dawned, and now I knew there was danger lurking so I could pay attention to those things. I wasn't going to get too close to a hippo because I know a hippo could kill me fast. You get too close to sin, it can kill you quickly. Or it could be a slow fade. It could be a slow death. But make no bones about it. Sin will kill you, either in this life or when you take your last breath and you stand in judgment. I'm not judging. No, I'm saying if we believe in God for revival, we've got to recognize it's the light of Jesus that's going to draw us to a heart of repentance that we'll stay in a posture of repentance until we feel the Father's love and then we can get up knowing our sins have been wiped clean and now I stand in right relationship with Almighty God. I know you've heard me say this, but if you haven't, I'm going to say it again. I'm in a place in my life, I think I can speak for my wife as well. We don't want to do church anymore. That simply means we don't want to just come on Sunday, hang out with, with, with Josh and Katie, have a great time, go out to lunch in some great restaurants, which I like doing, uh, except right now we're fasting. But, well, say it's Sunday, you can go eat where you want. But I'm saying I want more than that. I want that, but I want, I want to experience something that I've read about. I want to experience something that's beyond me. I want to experience something that, that we truly can say. Oh, man, I was once walking in such darkness and nobody knew, but now I was found. The light of Jesus, the light of Jesus exposed my darkness, and now I'll stay away from that because I know it can hurt me bad. God begins to raise the bar of holiness and righteousness. He, he says, you know, he's not coming back for a dirty bride. He's coming back for a pure bride. I'm not saying you can't. It's not when you get saved, you don't stop sinning. I'm saying it, the, the closer you get to Jesus, the less sin impacts your life. What I once did when I was first saved, and the Holy Spirit may have convicted me weeks, months later, if ever, about what I was doing. Now maybe over here, it's like two minutes, and the Spirit of God said, Son, that was not for you. Stop doing it. Okay, Father, I'm sorry, because I've matured. I've grown up now. I'm trying to stay away from the sin, Brandon. I'm trying to stay away. And sometimes I slip. I fall. I go back into something or a thought or whatever that wasn't what I repented of. So guess what I do? I drop what I'm doing. Father, forgive me. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. And I come right back into right standing with him. This morning, hear me. I believe right now in this place, the Father's calling us to repentance. He said, did we do that already with, with what well, we might need to do it four or five times a service? I don't, I'm not reading about there in Kentucky where they have one service of repentance and everything else from there is worship and someone preaching and then altar call and then everybody falling on the ground and everybody leaving like we were in the presence, man. What I'm seeing is young adults saying, I just want the real, man. I want what's real. And now that thing has moved from Wilmore, Kentucky, Texas A&M. It's, it's been sparked in a move of God. Have you seen the pictures of hundreds, maybe thousands of people on, a, on the grass just praying? Go figure. They're not doing church. They're being church. You say, where's your message? I don't know. I'm struggling to even get it out because I know what's, what I'm carrying is very heavy this morning. 
Revival doesn't have to be heavy all the time. It's, there's, joy should be in the middle of, of the move of God. Like, we're just going to enjoy each other's presence a lot, right? But in this moment, I'm going to ask you a question. What would happen if we were the Ashbury? What would happen if we were one of those universities that welcomed the presence of God? You know what I think it's happened on the university? Because the church has messed it up. The Church of Jesus tried to, to, to manufacture revival, and now the students of a college said, we don't want anything manufactured. We just want Jesus. We just want, we want the real deal. If you haven't gone out to see it, we have it, but there's a movie out right now called Jesus Revolution. A friend of mine, Jason, he's a part of the work that work that produced the movie. And he's also, if you ever saw that movie where the, the kid fell through the ice, what was it called? Breakthrough? Is it Breakthrough? Yeah, there's a movie called Breakthrough. The kid threw the ice. He was in the hospital, and um, and and he was he he came out of the coma. He was healed, no problems. Blah blah blah. It was a it was a powerful movie. But that same guy's connected to this. It doesn't matter. Jesus Revolution will inspire you with the story of Chuck Smith. What am I trying to say? I'm not trying to make anything happen. I'm just saying, can I? We just have to ask ourselves the question: Why do I want revival? And if it's just to make us feel good, then I'm out. I've felt good so many times over 35 years of life in Jesus. I want more than just feeling good. I want transformation. And I want to see reformation in Scottsdale, in East Valley. Now, I have no idea what to do from here except to ask a question. want to say that if you feel intimidated, you're scared, you're worried about what people may think, I just got to tell you, if you can't do it here, I just don't know where else you can do it. No one's going to judge. If you're here this morning and you're allowing that wand of Holy Spirit to kind of just do a search of your heart, your life, Maybe it's the way you think. Maybe you're thinking you need to repent of the way you think because you don't, you don't believe what the scriptures teach. It's a great place to repent right now in this place. Are you hiding darkness at all? How about that affair? See, you can't talk about those things. Well, no one said I couldn't, so I am. Might be someone here this morning that's had an affair. You've, you've had a, an affair with someone that's not your spouse. You're like, oh, I can't confess that, man. Everything, my life will be ruined. Well, it's going to be ruined no matter what because unless you repent and ask Jesus to forgive you, you're carrying a spirit of adultery in your life. That's pretty black and white in the Scripture. I'll let Jesus decide whether you make it to heaven or not, but I'm just telling you, you'll never, you'll never fulfill the destiny that God had for you because you're, you're carrying around sin and the weight of sin that so easily entangles us and will keep you from walking in freedom and your purpose. So all I, I just... I, maybe, maybe you've stolen something. You did it a, a while back, but you stole money. 
you're a thief and you don't want to admit it. And, you, and actually, you see these people frequently that you stole the money from. You'll never walk in freedom until that gets reconciled. So reconcile first with Jesus, and he'll give you the courage to reconcile with the victims. Speaking of victims, you're sitting there this morning possibly going, well, you don't know what's been done to me. I don't know. I don't need to know, but Jesus knows all things. You can't escape him. You can't escape his his understanding, his knowledge of all things, you. He formed you in your mama's womb. He knows every single thing about you. So don't think for a moment any of us can escape his presence or his hand. So right now, Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's prompting you. And someone here is like, you're just... You're like right now so uncomfortable, but you know that you know that you know you need to get out of your seat and get to this altar fast. Because I'm telling you something. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. It could be today. And when he comes back, he's coming back for people that are walking with him intimately, that he knows them by name. He searched the planet to and fro looking for people that will worship him, that will worship in spirit and truth with integrity and character. Come on, if that's you this morning, I invite you, come. Come to this altar and repent. Let there be a pool of tears. I saw what video in, in, uh, in Kentucky where they did a video, and, the, and I don't know if I could even find it. I couldn't find it again when I was looking this week, and there was somebody was just going through, and, and, and they're wiping up these puddles at the altar where tears have been spilled out from the students. That's powerful. Like I said, I can't manufacture repentance. I can't make anybody feel guilty in their repentance. I'm just telling you what the Father has spoken to my heart. Jesus that the spirit of repentance would hit Scotchdale East Valley South Valley West Valley North Valley all parts of Phoenix, Arizona and the state may we walk holy with you and Father if there's someone here this morning that says hey hey, Barry I just didn't have the courage to come and repent, but would you pray for me? We're all available. We'll take as much time as we need to to pray. Revival doesn't really have a time. So we'll take time to do whatever needs to be done. Father, forgive me if there's any part of this that's just flesh don't want it to be anything but you. If, if anyone's offended or hurt this morning because we've taken time to allow your light to shine, to expose the unseen dangers, then so be it.
me just take a moment. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in that little town of Wilmore, Kentucky. I pray, God, it would continue to flow through the rest of our nation. Lord, I saw a graph that said showed how many different places had gone there and now had spread out. God, I don't know what it all looks like, but this I do know. You're in control of all things. And Father, whatever this looks like, I pray we would tap into it in our own way, be refreshed by it, renew your church, restore your church to a rightful place. And may the church of Jesus Christ be your voice. May we be a force to be reckoned with in this city. And I pray, God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. There's some, uh, maybe mom or dad or parents here this morning, maybe grandparents. And we were singing about family a little while ago, and I know I was feeling something for my own family. And there's some shame and guilt possibly associated with the raising of your children or the lack thereof. You think about it often, and it's a weight, it's a shame that you're carrying. The word would say to you, just repent of that. Lay it down at my feet. The Lord wants to wrap you in his arms this morning and assure you that his love for you is as strong now as it's ever been. Even though you're carrying that burden, lay it on his feet, lay it at his feet, lay it on him, and let him carry it for you. You've carried it long enough. If that's you this morning, this is your moment of restoration with the Father. He wants to restore you. He wants to heal your hurt. He wants to bring you to a right place of relationship with Him. He wants you to understand He knows the pain. He feels the pain. He wants to carry it for you. Cast all of your care on Jesus this morning because He cares for you. Don't let this moment go to waste. Right now, the Father's speaking to you. Mom, Dad, Grandparent. He loves you so much. The worship team, worship team, come on up, Gil, come on up. I have four beautiful points to make. You can come back to the second service. Maybe I'll get them out then. Barry's being very gracious, but I just I just feel like I need to be firm and say. We're at this space where we're longing for God to move. If he's speaking to you, stop waiting and just come up. I'm going to start. Lord, I, re I repent right now before my whole church. 
of trying to do things by my own power and being angry with you and with others when they don't go the way I want them to go. And so I come before you and I just give you everything. Jesus, you're all we want here in this place. Go wherever you lead us, wherever you take us. We give you everything. And so God, I just, I thank you for your forgiveness right here, for trying to shoulder everything and only trusting you with some things. And I just say, I trust you with everything in front of everyone right now. I trust you with everything. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my kids. And I repent of living in fear over what their life looks like in the future and the world looks like and operating in fear. I repent of giving them less because I give everyone else more. And I just thank you that your spirit's here. And so, God, I pray over this church. God, I go to the altar and I invite them with me if they sense the same thing. God, but I thank you that if no one goes, I still go because your presence is good. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.